Good morning, or maybe it's good afternoon. Still, I suppose it could be good evening. Whenever it is you are settling down for this short period of prayer and worship, know that we're glad that you're with us on this holy day. If you're anything like me right now, this strange and uncertain life we're living certainly isn't getting any easier. There still seem to be so many things that we're constantly having to make adjustments to in our lives. In the beginning, it was hard enough for me to remember to not shake someone's hand and to try to not touch my face while I was in the grocery store. And now we have added in keeping a good social distance at the checkouts and following the arrows that are on the floor down the correct aisles at the right time. Of all the latest recommendations, it's now trying to remember to wear a mask with which I am having the most trouble. I don't know what it is, but the mask that I have right now always seems to ride up my face towards my eyes. And because of that, when I have it on, I seem to always be breaking that first rule I mentioned about not touching my face as I try to adjust it. And I'll just be absolutely honest with all of you. I apparently have an oversized skull because the masks a few friends have made for me never actually seem to fit. So much for that idea about one size fits all with face masks. Of course, the other part I constantly struggle with is having to talk to people while wearing a mask. It's made me realize just how much I am accustomed to watching people's lips move and their facial expressions respond when I'm listening or simply asking and responding to questions. Wearing the mask takes that away completely. And at the same time, I also forget that people I'm talking with can't actually see me smiling or laughing as I'm trying to express myself to them. And of course, as I suppose was its original purpose since back in the days when Jesse James and Billy the Kid rode in the Wild West, wearing a mask totally takes away your ability to recognize people, even someone you might have known for a very long time. Just a couple of weeks ago, before I even had a mask of my own to try to fit my apparent oversized head, I ran over to Fresh Market in Riverside for a change to pick up some fruit and some bread. As I was about to move from one aisle to the next, a woman in a black face mask suddenly stopped where she was and she called out my name. As I turned around and I looked at her face behind the mask, all I had to work with to identify her with her was her eyes and her hair and the sound of her voice. As hard as I tried, I could not for the life of me figure out who in the world she was. That is until she suddenly remembered that she was wearing her mask and she reached up with her gloved hands and pulled it down. Instantly, I recognized her as a former parishioner from over at St. Mark's in Ortega. I'd been very close with her father while I was serving at St. Mark's, and I'd known her, her husband, and her two sons very well. After that, even when she let the mask go back up over her face, it was as if I could see her facial features and make out her smiles as we laughed and talked from one side of the aisle to the other for a few minutes. But really, if she'd not called my name and lifted up her mask, I'm quite sure I would have walked by her and never even noticed who she was as I hurried through the shop that day. Friends, this morning in the gospel 2,000 years ago, two very close disciples of Jesus are having the same experience. 
as their world has been shattered with what had just happened in Jerusalem with Christ's crucifixion, and as their lives were suddenly shaken to the core by the story of an empty tomb on that first Easter Sunday, it is as if the man who is walking with them on the road to the town to Emmaus is wearing a mask because they are hearing his voice and yet they do not recognize who he is. I have to tell you, this morning's Easter story from St. Luke's Gospel may be one of the richest, most awe-inspiring stories of the entire New Testament. For me, it's probably the story I look forward to reading and hearing again the most each and every Easter season, because there's never a year that goes by that something within the story doesn't catch my attention and speak to me personally about the resurrected Lord in a new way. And just like I've said over and over again these past four weeks, with all we are facing in the pestilence of this coronavirus pandemic, it is causing the scriptures to be broken open, fresh and new, every time I open the Bible. The story this morning of Jesus' appearance on the road to Emmaus is like God taking God's own podium and delivering the most important daily briefing we've been given yet in the midst of these uncertain times. You see, these two disciples had been following Jesus to Jerusalem for the Passover before this. For all we know, they were a husband and wife, a father and a daughter, a father and a son, or just two really good friends. Maybe they'd been there when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Maybe they'd placed the palm branches on the ground and shouted out Hosanna when Jesus had ridden into the holy city. Maybe they'd followed him up and watched him walking into the temple and driving out the money changers. Whatever all of that had conveyed to them about what would happen next with this man that they believed was the Lord's Messiah, they'd also then seen what occurred afterwards in the Garden of Gethsemane. They'd seen Jesus get handed over to the Romans, beaten and scourged and then crucified, dead and buried. And even though they'd heard the stories of an apparent empty tomb, when we meet these two disciples today, their heads are hung down in despair and they are walking away from the holy city in defeat. They had made the decision not to hang around to see what would happen next. Like a bunch of football fans who'd watched their team get beat terribly in the championship game in despair and disgust, all they want to do is go home. And so when this man suddenly walks up behind them and asks them, what they're talking about as they walk away from Jerusalem, we get that sense of their sadness and defeat. They tell him what had happened to the man they'd been following, the very man that they say they'd hoped was that very one they wanted to redeem Israel. Now to tell a story that ends like that is basically to come straight out and say that your hope was completely in vain and that you'd once believed in something that was going to happen that did not come true in the end. And it has impacted them so profoundly that these two disciples can't even recognize that the very one they put their trust into to be that one who would redeem Israel is now at that moment walking beside them on that long, hard road away. It isn't until Jesus reopens the scripture 
in the middle of their sorrow and pain and begins to reshape it for them that they suddenly reconsider the story in a new way. And when they come to the fork in the road, as Jesus begins to go on, giving them their own choice as to whether they will sink back into their despair and worry or maybe invite him to stay a little bit longer, thanks be to God, they go with the latter decision. In that moment, they invite Jesus to come into their home and to stay just a little longer. Maybe to add just a little more spark to something warm that was with every word he speaks catching on inside their chilled and their broken hearts. And when they get inside the safety of their homes, Jesus sits with them at the table. The gospel says that Jesus takes bread, he blesses it, he breaks the bread, and he hands it to them. And in that sacramental motion, Everything finally comes together and the masks fall off their eyes and they see Jesus. Now I want you to reread Luke chapter 24 verses 30 and 31 with me again. He took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were open and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. It never tells us what they do with the bread Jesus gave them in that moment. Maybe they received it and consumed it. Maybe they were just so excited to see it that they didn't consume it. Whatever they did with the physical bread, it was in seeing Jesus take, bless, break, and present the bread to them that their spirits are suddenly revived and they are converted. That's all they need. And the gospel says they left that house and headed back to the holy city of Jerusalem, back to Peter and the disciples, back to the women who'd first seen the angels at that empty tomb, back into the middle of uncertainty and worry to declare with the disciples, Jesus had ridden, the Lord had risen indeed. Alleluia. Brothers and sisters, I'm praying that as you listen to Deacon Mark read this magnificent gospel today, and as I've been trying my hardest to lay out for you again the deep, powerful good news of the road to Emmaus, that in the middle of the uncertainty and worry of this world we're living in today, that maybe, just maybe, you feel your hearts beginning to warm inside of you, to burn with joy that we all desperately need again right now. I'm also praying that in just a few moments when you see Mother Lisa take bread, Bless it, break it, and hold it up for you to gaze upon from afar and spiritually commune with Jesus from wherever you are. That the masks of fear and worry will fall away from your eyes and you will see and you will feel Jesus with you right now. Whether you're worried about your immune system or your own sanity stuck at home, may you recognize Jesus with his outstretched arms pulling you into himself, filling your weary soul with hope and love and blessed assurance. Jesus is risen. And if we place our hope in the risen Lord, no mask will ever rob us of seeing his face and knowing that no matter what road we ever walk down, Jesus is always walking beside us. In the words of that wonderful old hymn, what a fellowship. What a joy divine, leaning on the everlasting arm. Thanks be to God.